Welcome into the Talk It Tide podcast on the Pigskin Podcast Network. I'm Chase Goodbread, sports columnist with the Tuscaloosa News. Travis Ryer from BamaOnline.com, the senior analyst there, along as we are twice a week here on Talking Tide, talking Alabama football. We're going to be recapping LSU's thrilling 32-31 to win over Alabama, an overtime victory in Death Valley. Uh, first, though, we are going to tell you uh, where you can get Talking Tide, certainly Apple Podcasts and anywhere else you prefer to get your podcast. You can also catch us on YouTube and Facebook. So uh, uh, certainly looking forward to uh, interacting with listeners and viewers alike. The Twitter feed, of course, is talking underscore tide. If you'd like to get links to the Twitter, uh, to the podcast, you can do that right through that Twitter feed. Again, Twitter, uh, it's talking underscore tide. Discombobulated here, Travis. I'm just coming off the road. Just got back from uh, Baton Rouge about an hour and a half ago as we record this on uh, Sunday evening around 9 p.m. Central. Uh, the fallback hour was not of much help to me. Huh. Certainly not as as of much was not of as uh, helpful as I was expecting it to be. So anyway, did finally make it back in one piece. Want to thank our sponsors really quickly: uh, North River Dental Associates, Peterbrook Chocolatier of Tuscaloosa, and DraftKings. More on them later in the program. Right now, though, Travis, uh, we take a look back at this back and forth battle uh, where the Crimson Tide came up short, uh, essentially out of SEC, SEC West. Contention now with their second loss of the season. Uh, LSU in the driver's seat, uh, Ole Miss in the passenger seat, and Alabama pretty much in the back seat. <laughs> I think that pretty much sums it up, man. It sort of feels like old times for you and me, good Brett. You know, our first year together on the beat back in 2007, the last time Alabama lost back to back road games happened in that season 15 years ago and the loss in Baton Rouge on Saturday night, back-to-back road losses right. for the 2022 Alabama team. And so we talked about some of the first, I guess, for this team, and they're not exactly the kind that you would like or the first since dot, dot, dot. Yeah, for sure. Uh, a lot to get into with this one. Uh, we'll start as we usually do, I guess, on the offensive side of the ball. Travis, I didn't think – I'll start with this. I don't think Bryce Young was right physically. Uh, I didn't see his normal velocity, and he certainly didn't have his normal accuracy. Uh, this was his first career game under 50% as a passer. And, look, the guy's smart. He, he makes great decisions. He's very elusive. He extends passing plays probably better than any quarterback uh, at the college level that I, I can name. I mean, he might be the best I've ever seen at buying time in the pocket, uh, but he was off, uh, and he admitted it after the game. Uh, there was one – and look, you can speculate on the shoulder and whatnot. I do find it a little strange uh, that he would look that way uh, coming off a of bye week where Nick Saban said he was finally able to practice again, kind of would have expected to see the opposite, right? Maybe kind of a physical rebound from Bryce Young. Uh, as it turned out, uh, his best game since injuring that shoulder against Arkansas was his first game back against Tennessee when he lit it up for 455. And then three weeks later, coming off a of bye week, 
uh, he, he turns in a performance where you wonder if he had it. And, and there was, and again, you know, I, I'm not speculating he got hurt on this, but there was one play early in the LSU game where he was trying to avoid a sack. He was running toward the sideline. It was very similar to the play where he got hurt on against Arkansas. And right at the end of the play, he just instinctively stretched that right arm out a little bit. And he kind of, he kind of tucked it, I think, kind of too, right before he fell. It wasn't quite as pronounced as it was uh, against Arkansas, but I saw that and I turned to our beat writer, Nick Kelly. I said, he almost did that again. Yeah. Yeah. I, I recall the play and I think it was, um, I think it was Harold Perkins Jr., the true freshman outside linebacker that was in pursuit on that play, similar to Drew Sanders. For Arkansas on the play in Fayetteville, absolutely. Uh, I know exactly the play you're talking about. And in watching them on Saturday night, I agree. Just not the accuracy, um, not the velo, didn't really take shots down the field. And I just felt, too, that between he and his wide receivers specifically, there was a disconnect. It just didn't seem like they were on the same page, which goes back to what you said. Mm -hmm. seems inexplicable considering that they were just coming off a bye week. You know, so many things that you would think you could work out, even if Bryce is working on a pitch count in practice. There's still some things you can, you know, talk through in the meeting rooms and go over and sort of sync up and, and get in a little better place from that perspective. But it felt like the one guy he had confidence in was Ja'Cory Brooks. And that showed up statistically because he targeted Ja'Cory 17 times otherwise there just wasn't much um uh, cohesiveness uh between he and his wide receivers the backs and the tight end cameron latu uh especially in the first half that was about the extent of the passing game you get the feeling and i could i could flip on a replay i guess and and, and maybe even count how i how i would call it one pass against another travis but so many of these pass plays all year long, really, but especially against LSU, end up scrambled drill, broken plays where Young is is floating around and, and, and looking for some. It's Sandlot football, right? Uh, and, um, you know, I, I get it. If you're Bryce Young, you stay in the pocket. You look at the first read. You look at the second read. You got to feel the rush. Maybe you bail after two reads. Maybe you bail after three. But I, you kind of get the sense at times, uh, especially on Saturday night in Tiger Stadium, that Bryce Young feels better floating around and, and extending the play and playing that sandlot game where the receivers are having to break off of their routes and um, kind of get that sync and get that chemistry you're talking about with Young kind of on the fly. And it's uh, it hasn't been easy to do at times. For this Alabama offense this year, especially against LSU. Tough way to live on offense, man, when you can't sort of script in some easy explosive plays. And they don't do that. And I understand to an extent you're trying to protect Bryce. So you're not going to have many design play calls where you're having him on the move all that much. But I do think they could help him in terms of just a little bit of moving him, you know, and moving the launch point and maybe sending a back across the formation and underneath and sort of the slice play that we see with tight ends that Alabama's run in the past yeah. to guys like OJ Howard and some of the other tight ends, just quick tosses 
off of action to the back because what you're seeing right now is defenses know this too. They know the last case scenario is for Bryce to hang on to the football outside of the pocket and, right. and, and try to make plays with his legs other than as a passer. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's it's getting tougher to run the football as a result of this based on how Alabama wants to run it. And we had heard from Nick Saban early last week, need more diversity in the run game. Look like the same run game to me in terms of what they like to dial up from a play perspective. And, um, you know, they hit some plays. The, the, the rushing numbers for Jameer Gibbs were good, uh, but similar to the Tennessee game, the overall output wasn't, um, you know, what you would call impressive. But again, when you just look at scrimmage yards between Jameer and Jace with the explosive play there of 65 yards and then Roydell Williams with a couple of short yardage touchdowns, they still got some decent production from the backs. They did. I, I think the only difference I saw in the running game diversity-wise, I guess, if that's what you want to call it, you know, they turned to Roydell Williams for some couple first downs on short yardage. Looks, it looks personnel, like a yeah. Right. yeah, a personnel but, uh, decision. But where's an end around every once in a while? Right. Yeah. I mean, if I got a defense that's just hauling ass to my back, where's and I'm not even talking about a, a, a long gated reverse mm-hmm. just to get fake here. Give it the other way to an Isaiah Bond or Kobe Prentice or somebody, you know, right. just to slow these people down a little bit or a flea flicker off of action to Jameer Gibbs. If you're not able to get the ball down the field in the passing game. And maybe that goes back to Bryce's health. I don't know. But if it doesn't involve that, they they struggle immensely. And and I understand teams are – LSU played more zone, I guess, Saturday night. But there's some ways that schematically you got to be able to help not only your quarterback but your offensive line and your running backs. They, everything it seems like Alabama does right now on offense is hard. You know, it's, it's tough. And they pop a few plays here and there, but – down in and down out, man. It's a grind. I think you make a great point about uh, the lack of play calls where Young is moving by design in the passing game, right? Waggle action, roll out, whatever. Because that what they're doing now, that that's not the kind of quarterback motion you're talking about. Because no. what you're what you're talking about is a design play where you're designing an an extended passing play and a little extra time for the quarterback into the play. And guess what? When you do that, yeah, the quarterback might not be in the pocket, but everybody out on a route knows where the ball is going to be coming from, right? Because right. Young will be standing where he's supposed to stand, not in the pocket, but, you know, releasing uh, in an area that's part of the play design. What they're getting now is Young is is releasing the – nobody has any idea. 95% where the, of their pass plays are pure pocket-oriented throws, aren't they? Yeah, yeah, it, yeah exactly, but – but how, but how many of them end up with with Bryce? Well, oh yeah, yeah. Throw, throwing the football from anywhere. Nobody knows where he's going to be when he throws it, including him. Uh, it, when- you, you you make it so much easier on run defenders, pass rushers, and and and, and Bryce, as you outlined here, and he's just so gifted in his ability to extend mm-hmm. that he covers for a lot of that. Yeah, but it doesn't have to be this hard. It doesn't seem like it has to be. But this is what they've sort of settled on. And when you had absolute dudes on the outside like you had last year, okay, mm-hmm. you know, you could do this. But you got to help these guys get open too. 
Yeah. This group, you got to help these guys. And Bryce tries to do that, as you said, by extending plays in 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 hoping the secondary breaks down like it did on Ja'Cory Brooks' touchdown catch Saturday night. But man, to 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 try to depend on that down in and down out, um, it's a lot, isn't it? The staff is the staff put this season on Bryce Young's back, and that and Saturday night was the wrong night for it. Uh, well, it was, know. and we say that, and he still handed the defense a lead, what, two or three Twice. times? A couple times, yeah, in the and, second half. And, and this is this was supposed to be an all-time defense. And, and Tennessee, he handed them the lead late, handed them the lead a couple of times, two or three times Saturday night, and the defense didn't get the job done. The offense can certainly be better. Bryce was not without fail Saturday night. The end zone interception was big from a perspective of the psyche right. of not only that LSU team, but that fan base because they'd seen that shit before, right? Mm -hmm. Alabama comes in right out the gate and steps on their neck. Mm -hmm. And that's what that was going to feel like before that interception didn't happen. So look, Bryce, you're right. He wasn't perfect, but man, in the fourth quarter, he was the only hero. Alabama had and He's, there were no heroes on defense no no young, young, young is so averse to tucking it and, and running it across the line of scrimmage it's like he's got a shot collar on you know yeah <laughs> and uh uh going across the line of scrimmage is gonna zap him or something and, and that first interception well, yeah, that, per, it, that first interception you're talking about it was actually a good idea I think to Jojo Earl because he had a step all he had to do was lead Earl uh, with the throw, and instead uh, he yeah. flicked he flicked it behind Earl. Yeah, it's a, it's a different. It's a seven point difference. Yeah, it was a three quarter arm sort of action. It was a had a defender coming at him. He tried to wrap it around him. Basically, what he did with Cameron Latou at Tennessee on the one touchdown pass, and mm -hmm. this time it it didn't work. But again. If there was one resilient football player for Alabama in the game Saturday night, it was Bryce freaking Young. Yeah. The, the, because when it started to go downhill for the defense in the second half, it was over. There was no putting the toothpaste back in the tube. There was nobody on that side of the ball that could sort of stabilize that group because offensively, there was piss poor body language in the third quarter when they were having some struggles. And I think Bryce gets a lot of credit deservedly so for kind of stabilizing that deal and putting it on his back and, and still putting his team in a position to win the game. Um, and also Will Reichard, man, give that dude a lot of credit. The scar tissue he had to accumulate from that Tennessee game wasn't mm -hmm. evident on Saturday night. He hits a big one uh, late in regulation to get the game to overtime. So, I mean, there were some other heroes but there weren't many other than Bryce Young. No, yeah, I, I had Reichert on, on my show notes too, Travis, uh, which, of course, you and I don't have production meetings. <laughs> so uh, <laughs> We're having one right now. Yeah, what are you talking yeah. about? We, we, just, we just let it rip here on Talking Tide. It's a better show that way uh, for all involved. But, yeah, Reichert could have been uh, a big hero. The way the game turned out, what Reichert did was, was kind of forgotten. But uh, big, big kicks for him uh in baton rouge there's no doubt about it uh and, and you know i i think it, it reminded me a little bit and we'll get to the defense here in a second i guess we already have but young's performance reminded me a little bit of the texas game in that 
there was all kinds of problems for the first three quarters, just out of sync football left and right. A lot of struggles, a lot of three and outs, some bad field position, yeah. uh, some terrible field position for Alabama, especially against LSU. Had three drives that that, that were from the, their own 10 and another one, at, uh, excuse me, two from their own 10 and one from their own 11 uh, early in the game. Didn't do it. Didn't even make a first down on any of those three drives and didn't try to run the ball on any of those on, on any of those three possessions either. So they just kept punting the ball to midfield over and over and it caught up with them finally when LSU scored their first touchdown. LSU's first touchdown drive was a 49-yard drive coming off of one of those punts that that Burnup had to knock out of his own end zone. Uh but uh but then in the fourth quarter, just like at Texas, you started to see Young pull it together a little bit. You started to see a little more cohesion uh, and in overtime too, I mean, you can't, you know, he, he did everything he could do in overtime, uh, but it, uh, ultimately it, w- it was not enough, but from a grit and a guts perspective, I got nothing but a tip of the hat, uh, for what I saw from Bryce Young. No, and he pretty much decided there down the stretch that he was going to ride. He still continued to spread the ball around a little bit, Latou and, Jermaine Burton had a 15-yard catch, I think it was, on the drive to go down and get the field goal that was Third big. down, right? A third yeah. down. And, yeah, and JoJo Earl had a big one, too, uh, there in the fourth quarter on a little corner route. But, it, again, it felt like he was going to ride with Ja'Cory and Jameer for the most part. Uh, those were going to be his two guys. Uh, they combined for 15 receptions in the game. So, uh, there was a mix, but there was also, I thought, a clear delineation between who who he was going to dial up and who were going to be very much secondary options. So, you know, um, I thought the offensive line was okay. Uh, you look at the stats, just two sacks, four tackles for loss for LSU, but then you have to factor in a lot of the stuff that Bryce does to kind of help that group. And there's times where he hurts them too because they don't, you know, a frustration for an offensive lineman, too, is when you don't know where your quarterback's going to be a lot of times. But mm-hmm. Bryce isn't one to ditch very early, too, and he will work up in the pocket before he'll start to to make some alternative sort of decisions there And as far as his navigation goes. So, um, no, it, it, it just you know, is a situation where you're right. I, I thought it was reminiscent in some ways of the Texas game. I thought it was reminiscent in some ways at Texas A&M where you had an opportunity on the last play of the game to make a play defensively. And this time it didn't happen. Um, but the common denominator in all this, as we've talked about is, is Bryce. And you know, I thought Jameer was good. Once again, he had over 160 scrimmage yards. So uh, you don't have a problem with that. He took a big shot early in the game. I think he's still dealing with something shoulder related, upper extremity related. Um, because they had a tight shot of him on the sideline after that. And uh, he looked like he was feeling it a little bit still. Speaking of working up in the pocket, uh, same could be said of Jaden Daniels, uh, looking at the Alabama defensive performance. Got sacked six times, Travis, but seemed like it was always minus two, minus three, minus one. Uh, Yeah, six sacks lost 15 yards. Right. So that's not three yards a sack. You're right. Right. So uh, that was certainly a factor, and and uh, you credit Daniels for that, right? Because a lot of these guys, 
uh, who, who, who think they're faster than everybody on the field at the quarterback position. They like to go out the back gate uh, and end up losing 14 uh, sometimes with these sacks. But uh, that wasn't the case with, with Daniels. And, of course, he ended up hurting Alabama a couple times uh, getting across the line of scrimmage, especially, of course, in overtime. Alabama's defense looked beat on that overtime run by Daniels. A couple missed tackles in there, a couple guys not where they're supposed to be. And uh, it seemed like it took Alabama 10 minutes to score an overtime touchdown, and LSU scored one in, in two seconds. Yeah, one play, Jaden Daniels, and it's a play that you know Alabama talked about throughout the week because it was a bread-and-butter play in that offense with Jaden Daniels, kind of an RPO run-pass option, and um, he gets a couple of blocks out on the corner. Alabama loses leverage uh, on the edge with Dallas Turner, and uh, just like that, you know, it's down to the two-point play. And so, you know, look, Alabama returned a ton of experience this year on that side of the ball, returned what we thought was a ton of playmaking ability. But really, other than one guy for the duration of the season, and even by comparison to a year ago, Will Anderson, while still having a really good year, this isn't Will Anderson 2021. And you knew opponents were going to have something to do with that this right. time around right um they knew who he was last year this year they knew they weren't going to let him beat them you know that's i think the difference um but there's so many other guys that have played a lot of football and have made some plays that really throughout this season haven't made a play and you know you had a true freshman tight end against what is believed to be one of the better safeties in college football and jordan battle on a couple of plays late in that game and in overtime saturday night and Mason Taylor got the job done for LSU. He certainly did. No turnovers created by the defense. Kind None. of the same old story yeah. there. Uh, really, not a, don't even really get. They don't even really get hands on the football. You mm -hmm. know, whether it's as we talked about earlier in the season, hands and passing lanes up front, defensive backs getting hands on footballs, other than maybe Kool Aid McKinstry. Eli Ricks wasn't tested in the first half, but in the second half, LSU got after him. A couple of PI penalties, including one in the end zone. Hell of a catch by Malik Neighbors on an explosive play down the Alabama sideline, so you give more credit to LSU than sort of detract from, from Eli on that. But uh, they worked Kool-Aid more, it felt like, Chase, in the first half, but then they got around to Eli in the second. They did. They did, yeah. Uh uh, everything as far as getting their hands on footballs. It's been a struggle. You don't see Alabama's defense this year taking rips at the ball for forced fumbles, I think, as aggressively as we've seen uh, some Alabama defenses of the past as well. Uh, and, and same old story with penalties. And, of course, with penalties, we're not just talking defense. It's offense, too. But nine special for teams. 92 yeah. special teams. Uh, nine for 92. Too many, again, on the road. Uh, uh, unfortunately, uh, that was actually Alabama's best penalty effort on the road this season, Travis, nine. Yeah, that, that seemed like a low number, uh, but you're right. And again, you know, kind of when the game was on the line, those pass interference penalties cropped back up. And the only thing I can think at this point is that it goes back to a lack of poise. You know, at the moment of truth in a big spot, you still got guys that are sort of panicky or not trusting their technique enough. 
And again, these are guys for the most part that have played a lot of football. These aren't like a year ago down the stretch when you had Kool-Aid and Kyrie out there, you kind of threw them in there, you know, after you lost Jalen Armour Davis and, and Josh Job. Um, and it's, and it's really not Kool-Aid. I would go as far as to say at this point, Kool-Aid is pretty clearly Alabama's top defensive back. Now, Brian Branch would be in that discussion, even though Brian's had some penalty issues. And that's such a tough position he plays in today's game, that star position, because you have to be physical. You have to be able to play, you know, kind of in the box in some situations. And then you end up getting matched up against a guy like Kayshawn Booty when he lines right. up in the slot. So maybe the most unenviable spot on defense in football right now is that slot corner position. That's the guy who needs an S on his chest as much as anybody on the on the defense in yep. this day and age. You really there's no doubt about it. All right, the Talking Tide podcast moving on. We're gonna thank a couple of sponsors on the show right now, really quickly. Gonna start by telling you all about North River Dental Associates and that great service you get from Dr. Jack Smalley, the former Alabama linebacker, and his super staff of dental hygienists. Uh, North River Dental can handle porcelain veneers, cosmetic dentistry, pediatric dentistry endodontics, laser dentistry, dentures, the always popular teeth whitening services. Great location right off of uh, Watermelon Road at 1100 Fairfax Park. And they're going to get you in and out the door, typically in under an hour for a routine cleaning. Also, uh, currently doing Botox and Juvederm treatments to tighten up those facial features. Give them a call. The phone number is 752-3506. Or you can go online and make an appointment at NorthRiverDentist.com. It is North River Dental Associates. I'm going to tell you about Peterbrook Chocolatier out there at 1530 McFarland Boulevard North in the Indian Hills section of Tuscaloosa. Holiday season production is ramping up there at Peterbrook Chocolatier. So if you're in charge of that family get-together, maybe you handle ordering for that uh, corporate party that you're looking to facilitate. Peterbrook Chocolatier can still help you at 205-752-0211. Of course, if you stop by the shop right there at 1530 McFarland Boulevard North, still going to have all your traditional favorites, whether it's the chocolate popcorn, the hand-dipped caramel, chocolate-dipped apples, those daily-dipped chocolate strawberries. They got it all waiting for you right now. It is Monday through Saturday, 10 to 8. Those are your hours at Peterbrook Chocolatier. So get by and check them out. Peterbrook Chocolatier, Tuscaloosa, 1530 McFarland Boulevard North. Finally, going to tell you about our corporate sponsor. That would be DraftKings. The action in the NFL is going crazy. Big upsets left and right. Saw the New York Jets knock off the Buffalo Bills today. We saw those Jacksonville Jaguars, our Jaguars, Travis, break up. Uh, lose the streak and uh, get it Duval. done against those Las yeah. Vegas Raiders. Uh, and you want to get in on that? Hey, the place to do it is certainly with the DraftKings Sportsbook app. Uh, make every play feel exciting this season with the DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Some unbeatable offers right now. New customers can make any $5 bet and get $200 in free bets if your team wins. Check it out. Uh, in addition to the usual bets, everyone can boost their winnings with DraftKings stepped-up same-game parlays as well. So download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use the promo code TPPN. That'll help us here at Talking Tide. 
you'll get $200 in free bets if your team wins on just a $5 bet uh, only at the DraftKings Sportsbook. And again, that promo code is TPPN. Travis, we'll close it out talking uh, SEC football. Got to start with that Georgia-Tennessee game. The dogs, Travis, uh, were never and have never been anything but the best team in this league from week one. And uh, Alabama probably took a turn in some polling, some polling, I guess, at the top uh, at the beginning of the season. Tennessee took a turn when they beat Alabama. Uh, but look, it, it's always been Georgia. It has. And really, it comes down to complementary football, right? All three phases of the game, how they sort of match up. Georgia being very, very solidified in who they are as a program how they go about their business on offense, how that complements the defensive side of the ball, how their special teams complement both the offense and the defense. You got to give Kirby Smart and his staff a ton of credit with all the change, right? Alabama was supposed to be Georgia's defense from a year ago, when in reality, it looks like Georgia's defense this year is Georgia's defense from a year ago with Mm. all those guys moving on to the NFL. And that goes back to Kirby and his staff. Uh, it's been sort of seamless how they've gone through that. And, you know, Kirby knows he's got the better players right now and pretty much 98% of the matchups that that team finds itself in. And I thought that's what they did defensively. They said, look, we got a war daddy like Jalen Carter up front. We're going to come up and challenge your receivers on the outside. And if you can't get pretty early separation, guy like Jalen Carter is going to get there. And, oh, by the way, I'm not going to sit back and let my safeties try to play in coverage against these guys like Jalen Hyatt. I'm going to bring them on occasion. So just a really good defensive plan, really good execution and physicality really on both lines of scrimmage. Georgia uh, was very impressive in terms of how they took care of business on the offensive and defensive lines. Bullied Tennessee. There's no doubt about it. That score was not – that game was not as close as 27-13. Tennessee didn't wake up this morning feeling like it was a 14-point game. I trust you. I trust me on that. Absolutely. Uh, Yeah, Uh, that Georgia defense, Travis, that that everybody was questioning whether or not they could reload from all those NFL draft picks they had. They've given up eight touchdowns in nine games. Yeah. So they're okay. Yeah, they're, they're, they're just fine. Yeah, they're they're all right, but you know they 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 return just enough defensively. Guys like Ringo at corner, Carter up front, um, some some pieces in that front seven that had at least played a good bit were back. Uh, but it goes back to just uh, the 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 standard that we've often talked about in relation to Alabama. Now you're seeing that very much in play at Georgia. You got guys that are stepping forward on an annual basis that understand. This is the level at which I must perform uh, to to have a role in this thing. And uh, Kirby's got that thing rolling. No doubt about it. That is going to do it for us here on this edition of the Talking Tide podcast. Be sure to join us Wednesday night. We'll be previewing Alabama's upcoming road contest at Ole Miss. And I look forward to do that with you on Wednesday night. So until then, for Travis Ryer of BamaOnline.com, I'm Chase Goodbread of the Tuscaloosa News and Crimson Cover Television. We'll talk to you next time right here on Talking Tide.